0: What is up, people, and thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart, and I'm really excited for today's show. Of course, we're going to have plenty of NBA playoff talk. There are games happening on this Wednesday night. Uh, we have plenty of games to talk about that happened over the last two or three days in this past weekend. So we'll be breaking all that stuff down. Also on the show, Tiger Woods uh, does the unthinkable after all he's been through, after all of the scandal all the injuries he found a way this past sunday to win the masters we'll talk about that and we'll have a who's flames who's trash segment kendall's court at the end of, this, of the show should be great as always so i'm excited to, to do this show as i said kendall's court will be here this week because kendall stewart my co-host is back this week kendall uh torres did a great job filling in for you last week shout out to him I am happy to have you back in tow to talk about the NBA playoffs. What have been your uh, initial reactions to the game so far? And uh, give us a preview on uh, Kendall's court.
1: Yeah, you know, shout out to Torres. You know, I I, I was going through some some contract disputes, <laughs> but you know, I, I, my holdout is over, so uh, I'm back. And that's what tell the people um, that you're
0: supposed to just come back and be like, yeah, I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm be here, here Long I term. It. I, it's, it's funny. Did you see what uh, Rick Barnes said about? Uh, the whole UCLA Tennessee situation.
0: I did not. What did he say? I did not hear what he said.
1: It's, it's funny. He said that because uh, obviously Rick Barnes. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but almost went to UCLA. They ended up hiring Mick Cronin, but uh, Rick Barnes had a press conference talking about his contract extension in Tennessee, and he said, "Yeah, basically, I would have been the coach at UCLA had they been willing to pay my buyout." Wild. <laughs> that's like, wild. That, that, that's where I was going to go, and it's like it's extremely honest. You rarely hear that. What, you know, is there any be- is there any
0: benefit to him saying that?
1: I mean, I mean, it's transparent. I mean, he went on to say, like, yeah, like, I I, I see my future here in, te- in Knoxville, and you know, I love this uh, community and stuff. But like, the fact that like he was like, yeah, it was, it was a financial thing, basically.
0: Because the SEC <laughs> uh, boosters do not mess around with lack of loyalty, and hearing yeah. that the money was the only thing that kept him, it's a little surprising he would be that transparent. I'm. It's cool that he was. Uh, shout out to Mick Cronin, by the way for getting that job. You know, he's someone that we spoke to uh, earlier yeah. in this in the, in the off season. Yeah, he, he was cool.
1: You know, he kind of has an image of being you know, uh, kind of a uh, I don't know what the term is a hot head, I guess, but he's not that. He he doesn't come off that way when we talk to him.
0: Uh, no, nah, he was he was very approachable. He was very cool. Um, and man, that's so for me. I for me, I feel like that was a well-deserved uh, bump for him. You know, I mean, he he hasn't had necessarily tournament success, but that guy's has sustained sustained success at Cincinnati uh, for a lot of years now. So um, he kind of comes with that underdog. Kind of comes tell, with that.
1: Uh, don't, don't tell uh, Kenyon Martin. Uh, that Cincinnati did a good job replacing him. They hired the coach at Northern Kentucky, and Kenyon Martin went on Twitter and was like. Uh, uh, I give Cincinnati an F plus for this, uh, for this kind of
0: coaching. Product. See now, look I, now, I, I I we were on a little tangent here. He was here. Keeping for his guy Nick Van Eskel,
1: who wanted the job.
0: Right, I, that is a little weird that Nick couldn't get the job there. But I will say that as someone who's a Miami Hurricane fan, uh, and shout out to our alumni at the at the U, um, they're awesome. Um, they're so involved with the program. They so care so much about the program. However. I don't like quite understand the, I'm a bash my school for hiring a guy I don't want thing. Like, I don't know. I just think that, like, if you want school to get better, like, just immediately saying that, oh, my school is trash now because they got this coach. Like, it's not going to help the situation. Even if, like, that wasn't the guy you wanted. I don't know. I think there's a better way to, like, some of our Kane alums sometimes are kind of, I think, got a little overboard with, like, bashing the school. And I think Kmart <laughs> probably went a little overboard. I mean, it's not going to help the new coach. Cincinnati to recruit players when they're the best player from Cincinnati probably in the last 15 years. I'm I'm forgetting somebody. It's like my school just hired a terrible coach. I mean, now yeah. <laughs> so much for that. That connect, you know, if somebody wanted to talk to Kenyon Martin or you know, be helped Kenyon Martin on the recruiting trail or Kenyon Martin help him on the recruiting trail. That's not gonna happen now. So I, I never quite understood that. But every, every, it seemed not every, but a lot of these alumni. I, I would- Places, a lot of these don't might do it to their schools. I just don't, I don't get, that seems very much against their own
1: interests. I was only upset we didn't get Nick Van Axel because we were, uh, we were, we were trending towards having an NBA Jam style uh, college basketball coaching uh, situation.
0: Oh yeah, that that would have been, uh, that would definitely have been an NBA Jam
1: we had right. Dick Van Axel, Jerry Stackhouse, <laughs> you know, Penny Hardaway, Patrick Ewing. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, NBA as, 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 Yeah,
0: NBA Live, 1998. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I'm so happy to have you back on, well, as you can tell. I'm already excited to have you back on uh, talking about this show. So let's get the show started. Let's talk about what we plan to talk about at the top of the show, which was uh, the NBA playoffs. So I don't know, but you can kind of know, I think this has been a really fun playoff so far. Obviously, we're in the first round. Some of these games being played tonight, We can't really harp on really many of these games with the exception of maybe the Celtic game. If that game goes final, maybe we'll have a quick thing on it. But uh, I want to talk more about the games that are coming up for the rest of the week and the games that we saw. I want to start with the Warriors because uh, they are facing surprising adversity in the first round matchup with the Clippers. The team gave up a 31 point lead. Kendall, there's something up with the numbers 3-1 with this team. Blue a 3 1 lead in the finals. 31 point lead in the first round of the playoffs against AC. That is the biggest uh, comeback from a team in the playoffs in NBA history. Um, they gave a 31 point lead in game two, uh, which obviously ended up being in a loss. Evening their series with the Clippers at one game apiece. DeMarcus Cousins also is now out for the playoffs, adding insult to injury. He tore his quad in game two. Steve Kerr seemed very despondent about the cousin situation as you could expect because we all understand that boogie pretty much came here only to try to win a championship and play on this kind of stage and his journey is being cut short very quickly and abruptly um kendall this warrior series was supposed to be a scrimmage essentially for a lot of people uh i certainly had this as a sweep when we talked about it last week with torres do you feel like the warriors are now vulnerable Given what we saw this past the uh, earlier this past week, and then with the Cousins injury,
1: um, vulnerable. I, I mean, I would say in this series, I don't think so. You know, what I mean, I think they, I think we all would imagine that they could turn up the juice, um, win at least one road game in LA, if not both, and. Uh, regain home court advantage, and I find it hard to believe LA is going to be able to win two in Oracle. Um, I do think that that this cousin's injury, coupled with I think Durant, who seems to be just like I, I don't know, he seems to be in, in his own world right now. Um, he definitely, thing. he definitely was
0: having some trouble. He he broke down. What was happening with the with you know how their defense is kind of causes some issues, but. He definitely wasn't very aggressive. Eight shots in that last game is just... I don't know how he plays a game. He only puts up eight shots.
1: Yeah. And, you know, he fouls out that game. The, the two games prior to that was ejected in both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I just... I don't know. You know, Durant has to really... He's, he's got to play a superstar. So we can't... Guys can't be talking about Durant's the best player in the world. And he, he's acting like that in playoff game. Because that were LeBron... I mean he be getting eviscerated. So you know, we got to call it like it is. Um so it it's going to be on Durant's shoulders to be uh to be better um consistently throughout this playoff run. Um with that being said like I said, I wouldn't be worried about this series necessarily. Um you know, I guess I would I would imagine, you know, they be playing Portland if Portland beats OKC, right? So that would be a map I'd be a little more worried about, um, given the way Portland's playing. And if you don't have Cousins, obviously Portland does have Nurkic, so that kind of evens out a little bit. And that would have been very problematic if Nurkic was there. But even Cancer is playing at an extremely high level right now, so um, yeah. I mean, I think Portland could give them some trouble. And obviously, if, if it comes to them playing Houston, be a problem. But uh the Warriors are not playing good basketball right now and that's, that's a cause for concern.
0: Yeah, definitely um definitely a reason I think to be concerned. Uh I think if you're Steve Kerr, I would be a little alarmed by the fact that you know, I understand last game of the season uh end of the season, you know, you kind of coasting through, guys lose focus, get ejected, you blow leads. That kind of happens. To have that kind of lapse in a playoff series, I don't care if it's the first round. I don't care if it's the eighth seed. That's a little surprising and a little... You wouldn't expect that from a team that is trying to go for a three-peat and trying to win uh, four titles in five years. Um, That's that's just not... That's not the kind of basketball you should be seeing from a team in the postseason. I mean, I, I... I don't want to be the guy who just keeps bringing up the Bulls, but I can bring up really any great team—the the Lakers of the '80s, or the 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 Celtics of the '80s, or um, the Knicks of the '70s, or the Lakers of the '70s. Like those teams that are trying to, you know, do these incredible accomplishments or these great accomplishments—they don't have those kind of re- like just insane lapses. Like the Warriors, sometimes seem to be a little bit susceptible, susceptible to, um, so that. I wouldn't. I would agree that I'm saying I don't think that the Clippers have enough to really make this uh make this war seem vulnerable in this series, and I think that I kind of feel like they have a pretty decent matchup even in the second round. Though I will admit, and we'll talk about the Blazers in a minute. I mean, McCollum and, and and Lillard look like they are ready for this moment more so than they ever have been. I think maybe in that last series, if we're talking about a matchup with the Rockets, uh, I would be concerned with with the Warriors and and, and the, the fact that they were unable to uh, come to rise to the challenge this past week, and and the fact that uh, now you don't have Boogie Cousins. Who well, look, they won a championship without Boogie Cousins. Um, they've won two without Boogie Cousins. So it's not like um,
1: it's I not like how this team looked. Early in the year, without Boogie Cousins, right? I mean, he they they we talked about they were kind of a skeleton, especially in the front court, especially yeah. with the with the depth and how this team was built to have Boogie Cousins, and so not having him at this point now, I mean, it definitely does weaken them because um, they don't have Jalen McGee. Jordan Bell has been a problem for them all year. I mean, their front court now is going to be is weakened. It's Andrew Bogut. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't tell you where
0: Andrew Bogut is. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's going to be getting a lot of minutes now. Kevin, Ke, uh, Andrew Bogut and Kevon Looney are going to be logging a lot of minutes. And like you said, Portland, they like to play big. Um, They got the guards, but they like to play big. And, of course, that's really jumping far because Portland has a whole series to play. But um, they're going to play cancer. They're going to play Collins. They're going to play Leonard. Can,
1: and God forbid you have to play OKC. I mean, we know we know they got
0: Stephen Adams, is know, a Grizzly bear.
1: Aquaman in, in the middle. Yeah. And <laughs> we know you got uh, Westbrook and Paul George that are also obviously dynamite guys that could attack the basket. Yeah. And are just extremely dangerous players. So, I mean, you need all the help you can get against those teams. Um, again, I mean, this is kind of a, a, a rich person's problem. You know, oh, yeah, I lost my fifth All Star who's coming off a major injury you know they they like you said they're still fine in theory but um i mean if there's anything if, if we're talking about there's any possibility of them losing it that would certainly with them losing to Ari Um
0: and shout out to the clippers man. I mean, you know, this this season, this team to me has been fascinating all season. Uh it's such yeah. a it's such a weird experiment that they're doing over there in LA with this team. Um Doc Rivers you know, done a, done a tremendous job as a coach.
1: You know, you know what it reminds me of. It reminds me of what the Celtics were like a couple of years ago, just like without the graphics. Mm. But yeah. Instead of the draft picks, you have like them being LA <laughs> and having cap space.
0: Yeah, and like it, it to me, like I know they're eighth seed here, but they were in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they'd be a much more formidable team, honestly. You know, like they yeah. may be where you know Indiana is in the in the in the standings right now, where Boston is in the standings right now. There, I mean. They play the right way. They play hard. Uh, you know, Patrick Beverly gives them a the kind of edge that I think they need. Uh, Lou Williams to score on anyone. Gallinari's had a really strong year. And they're rookie guards. I mean, how about the end of that game? You got Shea Gilgis handling the rock, driving it and kicking it to another rookie, Landry Shaman, who cold as ice drains that three to give them that go-ahead lead. I mean, one guy they drafted, another guy they traded for. It seems like everything that Fra- Lawrence Frank, and like, I want to mention Lawrence Frank, because we always keep going to Jerry West, and of course, Jerry West is a mastermind, and he deserves a lot of credit.
1: I, I, but, I Lawrence,
0: but Lawrence Frank is the, the vice president of this team, and he's doing a tremendous job. We got to put some respect on Lawrence Frank's name. I never thought that he could be this kind of basketball <laughs> executive, but right now, he's looking like he may be a better basketball executive than he was a head coach, and he was a decent head coach. but. Yeah. But I mean I mean this is a, a, a masterful job he's done putting together this team uh having the foresight to trade Tobias Harris and the team get better. I mean they went I think they, 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 I mean their record after they they made that trade, they actually had a better record than before the trade. You trade your leading scorer who's going to get a max contract potentially and you get better? That doesn't happen. And then you add another rookie, you add cap cap relief. I mean the Clippers are doing some good stuff. Uh, you gotta love how they're playing, and I did just need that shout out because I don't I don't know if by next week they'll be playing still, but just that that game was remarkable. That season's been remarkable. It's been a uh, it was a microcosm what we've seen from that team all year. But I do want to uh, move to Portland because uh, they're riding high after their first two games. Of their series against the Thunder. The team shut down Paul George in Game One, then did the exact same thing that Russell Westbrook in Game Two. Lillard and McCollum are averaging a combined 58 points per game in these first two games. Uh, obviously, these are home games and the, the series, as the saying goes, the series doesn't start to the home team loses. So, but with that being said, can the is this a sign now that the Blazers this year are a real threat in the West, or is this more of a sign that the Thunder have massive issues?
1: Um... I think I think this is more about the Blazers than it is about the uh, the Thunder. I feel like um, we talked about, or you talked about how McCollum and Lillard just are locked in. And I I wasn't on the show last week, but mm-hmm. I felt this kind of going into the postseason that Lillard, especially, like I I could envision, and it sounds it may sound crazy, but I could envision this Portland team playing in the NBA Finals.
0: No, it's funny. You and Charles Barkley, the only people who see this. Yeah. Charles Barkley said like, that he thinks that they will be in the finals.
1: I, I wouldn't go as far as to predict it. You know, I wouldn't put money on it. Well, maybe I would because it would be a... Uh, it would
0: be like that Tiger Woods bet, the guy that won yeah, like a Tiger million Woods. dollars <laughs> on a an $80,000 bet. So yeah, so, so yeah, it might be a smart win, move. But, you know, you get $80,000 and maybe you'll win something, you Kendall.
1: Know? Exactly. But because um, I feel like Lillard he's at that point in his career where he's seen the play the postseason so many times he's been in the all-star game so many times like he's the only thing he has not really had is true postseason success you know he's had moments in the playoffs obviously at the moment against Houston early in his career but um he hasn't had that deep playoff run and I I think like he I mean him and McCollum are good enough players to where they could play on the level, especially Lillard, of anybody in the league.
0: Yeah, they're stars. They're yeah, star the players.
1: Star, like, I mean, Lillard's a superstar player. He could play at an MVP level for a stretch if he needs to. Um, and I think that they have that chip on their shoulder that you need as well. And if we're talking about teams in the Western Conference that have that, they would be at the top of the list. You know, I think obviously the Warriors have no chip on their shoulder. Uh Houston, it might be a little sleep, sleepy. OKC is clearly a little sleepy, um, which makes this team extremely dangerous, and we've seen it so far in the series.
0: Um, I'm going to say this has more to do with the Thunder, and I don't want to take away from the, the, the Blazers, because I, I, I do think that they're playing really well. And I think this is just... Your- I don't think this is your father's Blazers or your brother's Blazers. Maybe I don't want to go that far, but like obviously in the recent years, this has been a team that you just could not take seriously in the playoffs. They they uh they had too many uh too many uh the ball would die in too many hands on that team if it wasn't with McCollum or Lillard. They didn't really seem to have an offense that allowed for other guys to flourish when those guys were being double teamed, and defensively they were extremely challenged. And they've been exposed in recent years in the playoffs because of that. This team is a little different. I, I, I do admit that. Uh, again, I think that little and McCollum them a little bit more ready for the moment. Because I, I think the Thunder are kind of trying to do what the Pelicans did last year. And they had the means to do it, and they to do it, And it's just not working. Because I think that they're being coached better. And I think those guys are making quicker decisions. And then I think adding a guy like Seth Curry, who, who now is another shooter has really helped them a lot too. And then I think the other players around them, I think uh, Aminu and these guys, they're just getting more, they're being more aggressive when they, they get the ball and those guys get double team. And, uh, Cantor in game one was just an animal, but I do want to harp in a little bit more on the Oklahoma city thunder. Uh, me and Torres both picked the thunder to win in this series. I'm not going to say that they're dead because, uh, Oklahoma city is an incredible home crowd. I think players like Russell Westbrook and even Paul George definitely seem to feed off of the home crowd. But I'm going to talk about these guys because, look, I don't know how bad Paul's uh, shoulder is. In game one, he looked awful. Game two, he shot the ball well. So I don't don't know. You're out there. I know you're hurt. But so I don't know what to make of what he's done. But I'm telling you, man, these two guys, these two star players who I think they're absolute star players. There's no question about it. Um. They didn't take into the wood Let's call it like it is. They got their behinds kicked by McCollum and Lillard in Game One, and I thought Lillard in Game One was a little sloppy. Even I mean, he had six turnovers, and I think he could have had more. He he was I think he was sped up, especially in the first half. Um, but the the fact that you have two MVP caliber players in Paul George and Russell Westbrook, and you go on the road and they're so they were so ill-equipped and unable to uh, match the intensity for... Uh, well, I don't say match the intensity. Russell Westbrook is always intense. Um, so that's not the right word. But I guess match the level of play. Uh, those other star players and kind of bring confidence to those role players was a little disturbing to me. Um, again, these guys are, are, are as good as it gets in the NBA, as far as I'm concerned. And But at the same time, Shaq says it best. I think it's one of the things I, I agree with him 100%. Role players help you win at home. Stars win games on the road. We saw in Portland, canner Curry, amina with the defense. Those guys helped lizard help propel lizard and McCollum and what they did offensively to win those games in Game One and Two. In the road, you need your star players to to lift up those role guys to maybe make one or two shots, make one or two plays to win the game. And to me, they got uneven performances. I thought Westbrook was decent in Game One. George was terrible uh, in game one. And then the flip side, George was good in game two and Westbrook was awful in game two. So like, they, they can't beat them in those split kind of games. They, both of them have to be at the top of their game. And uh, and for Westbrook, again, this is a matchup that Lillard and him take very personally. And you can see it. You can see Lillard, the way, how intense he is in guarding Westbrook whenever he gets stopped. They, they had a little scuffle in the last game. Uh, Westbrook, what you're the man, Russ. You, you're the man for that team. I, I want to see you uh, match a little when you get back into your home court. I think he can, but um, but I, I was a little disappointed that they they just to me they were so they weren't competitive really. I mean, the first game I thought Portland kind of let them back in it, and in the fourth quarter they kind of ran away again, and uh, and then you know they were kind of you know they were kind of in it but not really in game one, and in game two they weren't competitive. I I just think that that I didn't expect that and I hope to see something better in game 2. On I mean, game 3 rather, game 3 and 4 in uh, Oklahoma City.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I feel like uh they're in a they're in a situation where I you know, I definitely feel like Paul George's health is, cer- is certainly a um concern because that that's an explanation for why you know they've struggled cuz we I mean we know that Paul George especially uh, midway through the year was playing at an MVP level and was probably the most instrumental factor in their success uh, so if he's not right um, that that would certainly uh, certainly explain why OKC is struggling um but we also have to remember, OKC okay, is a tough team at home. And they are. When this when this series flips to Oklahoma City, I would not be surprised. Uh, it evens out at
0: 2-2. I wouldn't be surprised either. I wouldn't be surprised either, which is kind of why I'm putting it more on the Thunder, because I feel like I don't think the Blazers are this— they look way better than the Thunder in these first two games. To me. They look way better. Uh, Thunder didn't crack 100 points in either game. I don't think they're that much better than the Thunder— I think they've played that much better than the Thunder, which means the Thunder got a, got a rise to the occasion. And, I, I, you know, in fairness to to Russ and Paul George, while I don't think they've played great in these games, I, the role player, I mean, they gave them nothing. Uh, Jeremy Grant, you know, he's shooting, what, 20% from the field in these games? I mean, he averaged 13 points for the season. He's averaging six now. He's shooting 20% from the field. Uh Dennis Schroeder, thirty-one percent from the field in these games. That's not that. That's that's just not going to get it done. I think no. I think their own played really well. I think he gave them really good minutes, but they're not getting. They got zero help from those other guys. I mean, you know, Adams does what he does. He was fine, but I mean, Schroeder, Jeremy Grant, Terrence Ferguson, Markeith Morris. You got him in the trade. He was nothing in these first two games. I mean, they got to do something, you know. And I, like I said, well, I do think that the Stars got to be able to lift those guys up. It's hard to lift up what they've been providing. They've been providing zero, and that's not going to get it done. Um, Let's move on and talk about some of the rest of these series. So, uh, Higher seeds, Philly, Toronto, and Denver each needed to win game twos at home to even even up their respective series. Uh, The Sixers and the Raptors had monster second halves to pick up their first playoff wins this postseason, while Denver needed to come from behind. Uh, uh win and that included a, a m- big quarter from uh, Jamal Murray in the fourth uh, to even their series with uh, San Antonio of the higher seeds. Kendall, which of these teams you, do you feel like is most in trouble heading onto the road now that they no longer have home court advantage?
1: Um, I think for me it has to be uh, Philly. You know, I think even though they're the ones that probably made the largest statement in Game Two. Um, I think, you know, you look at Toronto, and I'm not concerned about Toronto. I think Toronto, had a, you know, they had a, a poor game one. You know, TJ Augustine, uh, DJ Augustine played out of his mind. Um, it would
0: it wouldn't be an NBA playoffs if Toronto didn't face some ridiculous adversity in the first round.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <not>. uh, <laughs> um, so uh, you know, they they I think they got by, you know. Can they win a game in, in Orlando? Absolutely. Can they win two in Orlando? Absolutely. <laughs> so I wouldn't be concerned about them too much. Um, when you look at um, uh, Denver, Denver is the other team that I have some concern level for. But I, the question that I have with Denver is just what's their like, – I feel like a lot of their struggles come from – them not having been in this position yet mm-hmm. and you know what's their you know it, no matter how good you are in the regular season if you have little to no postseason experience that this this moment is a lot different and you know i think once they get adjusted to that i think they'll start to play better um because they obviously have way more talent on paper than san antonio does. um philly and brooklyn is the one where i think schematically, Brooklyn, I think, could give Philly trouble. Um, And we saw it in game one. Uh, Philly had to play. I mean, game two was a must win for them. So, of course, they were going to come out guns blazing. But game three is going to be a huge game as well. Because if Brooklyn wins that one, then they're not a fluke. Then this is a real series. And Philly's got to put them away now um, because they can't get down 2-1.
0: Um I'm going to say Denver is the team that's uh, is most in trouble heading on the road. A lot of it you kind of mentioned. Um they 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 showed to me in these first two series, first two games rather, that uh this is going to be a rocky road to figuring out how to win playoff games. I agree. We talked about it. I I talked about it um yet yeah, last week. I th- I thought that this was a team that I put on upset alert because it's bad enough being a, a team with essentially all rookies when it comes to the playoffs. Obviously, you know, they, they're not rookies. But all, almost all the guys in their rotation, with the exception of Paul Millsap, have zero experience in the postseason. And that's not nothing. That, that's a huge deal. I don't care how talented they are. And, and I think, to me, honestly, we, we saw that a little bit with Philly when it came to the second round. Uh, the playoffs last year against Boston. And, you know, Miami was so bad, they didn't they weren't in a match. But when they faced a team with any kind of experience, even though the talent seemed even or even maybe tilted towards Philly, they just didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know how to win those games. Denver, to me, looked similar. They looked like a team that kind of didn't know how to get the game to be played the way they'd like to play it. San Antonio has controlled the pace. Um, their defense against the Spurs, especially in the first half of Game 2 and all of Game uh, 3, at the, Game 1, I think has been subpar. Uh, now I do commend them for coming back in the last game uh, one thing that I talked about on the show was that I felt like I didn't know who was going to be that guy that matches DeRozan and Aldridge late in games, the games are tight, that's why I thought they needed to blow this team out Jamal Murray answered the bell <laughs> big time uh, in the last game, maybe he is that guy, but I, this game, now you're going on the road these games were really tough at home, now you're going to tell me that this team that has no experience, that struggled in their first two games, is going to Figure it out in an extremely hostile environment. I guess a, a team that now thinks that they could beat them. A team that knew they just had to get one game on the road. And a crowd that thinks it's going to smell blood. I think they're going to know, oh, you know, we thought we were going to be doomed against a first-round matchup with the Rockets or with the Warriors. Well, now we got this young, these young bucks who showed a little bit of shakiness in their first two games. That crowd's going to be definitely uh, uh, wired. I'm going to say I'm a little worried about the Nuggets, man. I got to be honest. But uh, uh, on the Nets, Kendall, and and we can talk about the Nuggets on the back end, I I do agree that I'm not – I think there is some concern for Philly. The Nets, to me, uh, Philly, I think they they reached another gear in that second half. To me, the Nets, if you're going back to Brooklyn, I think you still feel good. I wouldn't be too concerned about that – second half collapse that they had because to me that was philly playing with a game seven kind of desperation they got to halftime they were like we still are in a close game with these guys and if things get crazy here we could lose this game and then they played at a level that brooklyn just hadn't wasn't ready to play at yet i do feel like if you're brooklyn you're going back tied 1-1 and i don't think that to me what brooklyn does well it doesn't matter where they're playing and it's their guards being able to break you down and get to the cup at any point in time. Philly's defense got a little better, or a lot better, in the second half of Game 2. But Brooklyn should be able to have success still doing that when they get home. So I think Brooklyn has a reason to be excited, but I, I just still think that's, for me, Denver's a team that I'm a little more worried about. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, I... I Denver, um... I the The only reason why... I'm less concerned. Uh I, I just I feel like San Antonio, as great as a coach as Greg Popovich is, I don't I just don't know if <laughs> on paper I can I can envision them uh, consistently beating this, 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 this uh this Denver team. I mean Denver is one of the best teams in the league. Um, and like I said, you know, the regular season is totally different. We've seen it countless number of times over the last couple of years, but um that would it just it still would feel like an unfathomable upset.
0: Really? I thought this was gonna be a really tight series. I had Denver winning this in seven. I, I Yeah. But I, like Kendall, we like one thing about these playoffs, Kendall, is that I mean I agree. If you're doing a draft of players in this draft, I mean, if you do the first ten picks, I mean almost besides Aldridge and and DeRozan, everyone else would be Denver Nuggets everyone else. But when you get to the playoffs, coaching matters a lot. Um it, and if you haven't don't have the experience, experience matters a lot. It, it's a little different, you know? It's just it's just a little different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean Yeah, I mean it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, this is going to be big also for someone like Nikola Jokic who's trying to, you know, take the kinda of, kind of put his name in that superstar conversation. Um, you know, he can't lose the series. No. Uh, he's gotta step up. As well as Joel Embiid, who's had his injuries for struggles and really didn't look great in game two either. Um
0: and that's another reason why I think that you make a good point about the Sixers, because um as long I mean as long as he's like hobbled they're, they're, they're never going to be out of the woods in that series to me. No.
1: You
0: know, uh, they, they need him. If they're at full strength, I think that they probably don't have much of an issue with this team. But if you're talking about Embiid being kind of hobbled and we know how important he is in their defense, I think that I, I really feel like his defense is actually the most underrated part of his game. He He's so – uh, what he does defensively is so important for them. If he's – not able to protect the rim the way he normally is and those net guards are able to just get to the rim at full at you know full will and and score at the at the cup at full will that's uh that's gonna mean trouble you know um he did his numbers looked fine but he wasn't the same jojo that I expect can he continue to play through that injury um I don't know it's 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 gonna be interesting neither of us feel really concerned about Toronto. Uh, I can't explain. Like I said before, I can't explain what happened in Game One. I, I thought this is Kyle be, Lowry. Oh yeah, yeah. Kyle Lowry didn't answer the bell. Um, but let's give him credit. where credit is due? I guess he definitely played great in Game Two. He was ready for that challenge, but uh, he just didn't answer the bell, and 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 he went against a guard that was ready to play and just took it to him. Kyle, that's that's going to be the interesting thing about that team. Is I you know I have them coming out of the East, but. He he's he's so important to them, and yet he's so unpredictable in the playoffs. I mean, he's one of them, like I, I I can't think of a guy that I can remember in recent history that was like this. That was that good, but like in the playoffs, you, you didn't know he literally could score zero and wouldn't shock you. Like you you don't know what to expect. He's like that pitcher in the regular season who's great in the regular season, but in the postseason, I mean, anything can happen. He could get shelled in two innings. Like Lowry is a or he could throw a no hitter. Like <laughs> Lowry's had great games as opposed to He's had game winning shots. Like, you know, it's 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 he's a complete complete wild card. I thought with um Kawhi being so much more of a dominant force in that team that maybe Lowry's uh erratic nature would not be as much of a of a factor. I was dead wrong that it was a huge factor in game one and it, it cost him. So we'll see what happens. But um Yeah, your Celtics are up too well, Kendall. They they just won. They are uh they needed to come back in that game it was what's unfortunate for indiana kendall to me is that they just they just don't have i just don't think they have a chance um now to be fair again things change sometimes you go on the road and like i said in the last week i think boston if they go on the road and they start messing around i could see them losing two games too but for them to win for any of them to win this series it's gonna be really hard not really having a plan when they get late in these games and it happened here. They had a lead. There's no reason why they shouldn't have closed this out. But they just don't have a plan of how to attack teams when the game gets nip and tuck in the fourth quarter. And without old depot, they're not gonna get one.
1: Yeah, yeah, we saw it in this game. I mean, Tyreek Evans played great, you know, for like three quarters, but And in the fourth I
0: mean, quarter he's no, he's Tyreek Evans. Like Yeah. You know, you know he's also, good but he's only on but so road, good.
1: Going head to head with Kyrie Irving, he's not good enough to, to do that and then when the defense, you know, kind of collapses on him, can other guys make plays? Right. And at home, I think they can. At home, I think Bogdanovich can get hot. He got hot in this fourth quarter. Um, you know, I think Wes Matthews can hit shots. I think Miles Turner can hit shots. Sabonis can make plays. But on the road, it's, that's where it's tough. The Celtics, on the other hand, I think they have, we, they have guys that can make plays, both at home and on the road. Obviously Kyrie, but they also Tatum and Orford and uh, even Hayward, Morris, and Brown have proven that they can make plays not only at home, but on the road. And that's going to be a difference in this series. We'll see what happens when it gets to Indiana, but um, this was the game that Indiana had to win. Um, they had to steal it. <laughs> I mean, they had the game. Yeah,
0: they, they, they had the recipe. I mean, there's If there's one thing Indiana could take from these two losses is, I think if the game is played in the style that it's been played, Indiana is gonna have a chance to win these games, which they did in games one and two. Like if the game's gonna be half court, slower paced, not so much up and down. I, I know it's not Boston's nature, but to me this is not how they want to play against this team. I think that they'd be better suited if they got this game, this uh series, be more of a track meet because. Indiana just doesn't have the firepower to keep up with a team like this, and their only chance is gonna to be to make it a more of an old school NBA playoff series. They got that in the first two games. So if there's anything you could take, you could say, Well, Indiana Boston seemed very fine with playing our style of play. And okay, they won at home because they won at home. Like maybe if we get on the road and they play this kind of way and those some of those shots that were hitting late aren't falling, we'll have a shot. I think that's their only their only good thing you could take from these losses I, mean, I don't know if you feel differently,
1: yeah I mean I mean you have to feel i mean you have to feel good that they did a good job containing everyone else and Kyrie just went off. you know Kyrie he he's gonna have games where he's human it was not today no he, it was definitely not today <laughs> at an extremely high level uh especially on the road he's gonna have games where he's human and if that happens, Boston can't have the rest of the team play it the way they did you know, Tatum pretty showed up, but that was pretty much it. Um and I mean this team is not they I mean they they've had two good defensive performances. I think it's been it's had more to do with uh Indiana having a little offensive <laughs> prowess than it is Boston's stifling defense. But um if we're gonna beat Milwaukee we're gonna need Marcus Smart back, I think. Given the way Milwaukee's played, but I don't, I don't think he's not
0: going to be. I don't think he's going to be back. I don't think so either. I don't think he's going to be back. I mean, Once maybe he, a miracle. maybe he has a miracle. If the game series is long, maybe he has a miracle, you know, game six appearance or game seven appearance. But I mean, yeah, I it, it, it looks like they're sticking, four, it. they're sticking to that four. They're sticking to that four to six week thing, and that ain't going to be in time to for that series, yeah, especially yeah. if these two teams do quick work with each other. You know, if you know Boston handles their business in a quick series and. I mean, I, I I can almost guarantee this Detroit series Milwaukee won't last very long. So you know, this this could, that could be playing next week. You know, he'd be at least two weeks, maybe three weeks away from his timetable. So I don't know. It, you know. You know, the during the broadcast they were saying that he's he's still in bad shape. He could barely get out of bed. He's only yeah. he only do work in the pool. Oh man. Uh if you're watching, well, yeah, you're not watching, but I'm sure by now you may have seen. You know, Rubio just got crossed ridiculously by James Harden. Harden missed the shot. So maybe it won't be on Sports Center, but he almost fell. <laughs> Sorry about that. But um, but yeah, uh, that's gonna be you know something something to uh to to to, to look at. You know, um, Smart is so important to them because he's so. Because he's unlike anyone else really on the team, maybe with the exception of a little bit of, uh, well, obviously Baines is like this, and and maybe a little bit of Marcus Morris, where he, he he you know even if he's not dominating the ball, he still can make a great impact. Where I would say maybe Baines can have a minimal impact despite not really being an offensive player. I mean, Smart can change the game with not being really an a an offensive player out there and the other guys need the ball they all need to be able to be contributing in scoring to really have any kind of impact so uh, that kind of series against uh against milwaukee where you know the game they're going to spread you out they're going to try to dribble drive penetration kick it off of threes you're going to need a guy who can cover people and stay in front of people and not worry so much about their own shot they're going to need him i agree uh Let's uh move away from the NBA playoffs. Let's talk about what was the biggest story earlier this week, which was the Tiger Woods story. The comeback is complete. After years of struggles on and off the golf course, the sports icon won his fifth green jacket at the Masters past weekend. It's his 15th major title, leaving him just leaving him just 3 behind Jack Nicholas would secured the title on the last hole of a thrilling final round at Augusta. Kendall, this was pretty riveting television for a lot of people. Um, I unfortunately was in travel, so I, I missed it. But I obviously I a lot highlights afterwards. Uh, Kendall, where does Tiger's Masters win rank for you when it comes to sports comeback stories? Because a lot of people make the case that maybe it's the greatest comeback story.
1: Yeah, I've been hearing that a lot. In that, am I the only one that feels like that's hyperbole? Um, I I, I feel like I mean,
0: this is pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Like. I, I, to find no. better ones, I got to really think about I it. Mean, he, I mean, do it, you have. It's
1: surprising in the sense that he's. Well, what were you going to say? I
0: was going do you have a list of automatics that you're like, oh, no way, it's better than this?
1: I mean, I mean I'm just thinking, like. I mean, do we. Cons- oh, what are we considering comebacks? Are we considering, like, you know, the Cavs coming back against the Warriors, like a comeback? Or are we talking. About no,
0: I think we're talking about more individual. Athletes. I don't think teams count. I don't right, think teams right. count.
1: All right. So we're talking athletes that were, like, down and out.
0: I think I see so that's the interesting thing. I'm glad you're you're asking this question. I do think it's an important question when you talk about comebacks. To me, Wait,
1: Tom Brady tore his ACL, but
0: so, cause to me back. comeback, I know it was crazy, but to me like, Jake Jordan coming back out of retirement and then winning three titles is to me a great comeback. I, I don't care like like oh well he was still good like that's still incredible. Now I'm not saying I'm not saying that it was better than what Tigers did. I'm just saying that I think that comebacks could be. I think it, I think there's a the only what I'm trying to say is the only I think qualification to me is that it has to be individual player. But I think a comeback, you want to mention Tom Brady, fine. Like Tom to me, as long as uh the guy was out out down out for some reason and then came back and ended up doing something incredible, that qualifies as a comeback and therefore can be in the conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean I guess if we're talking about individuals in sports, I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's got to be up there. Like, it, I, I, one thing that takes away from it, I think, is like maybe you shouldn't, maybe you should add to it, but it's been so long. Like, my thing was like I expected him to win. I, there were some people that were like, "He's never gonna win again." I expected, him, but I feel point, like you can,
0: you're in a super minority in that. Maybe okay, like, expecting I, to I'm, win. I'm
1: not even saying like three, four years ago. I mean, like, if you've been following the last year or two he's been playing a lot better yeah clearly he's been a threat you know yeah (laughs) he's had a lot of top five top ten finishes in major tournaments so it was like it's not it wasn't like it's unfathomable that he could win a a tournament um so my so in that regard that's where i'm like i mean the comeback's kind of already complete the fact that he's even you know pushing the win but um i mean recent history i mean you look at, I mean, Dad Rose coming back to being a, you know, uh, solid, very, very solid NBA player. Impressive.
0: Uh, yeah, but to yeah. me, like, Rose, as great as Rose, Rose's comeback has been, like, to me, like, That'd the equivalent like of Ty was, Woods would be if Rose came back and won the MVP.
1: Yeah, or won an MVP, you know. <laughs> like, that. so that's where I see, like, yeah, that's that's impressive. Um, because he, obviously, for anybody who's been following him, I mean, he was with a shell of himself for, like, five years. So... Um, so maybe I, mean, I guess now I'm kind of putting in my own perspective. But I do understand where the where the hype around this situation is. Um, I guess for me, I just never completely wrote him off. Mm. Uh, maybe maybe uh, golf experts did, but um, you don't just lose it. You know, I don't think he just lost it. at I think mentally that he's in the right place now, and uh, I'm just glad that
0: glad he got a win um i i i I think it's among the greatest comebacks of all time if you want to convince me that it is i could probably i could probably agree with it i mean kendall this guy's story is pretty incredible i mean to be fair again you said that you thought he would win i mean i thought he should have retired not i'm not, not not saying that he should have he could oh he wasn't going to win again. I thought that he was done. And if you look, we both follow sports. Now, again, last year was probably his best year in a while. But if you follow these last 5 years, I mean, it was like he wasn't a player. It was like he was not a golfer. It was not like he was like a he was like a semi-retired golfer at this point in his career. And the surgeries, back, knee, Achilles, the personal transgressions. Well, A lot of people keep dancing around. But I guess because we don't quite know. Exactly what the deal was. But he had a DUI that involved. Or DWI that involved drugs. You know. Like I don't know what that was about. But if you're now adding that. Into the mix as well. With all the other issues he had. To go back and. Have. The physical <coughs> mental nerve to win the most prestigious golf tournament that we have in the world with that kind of spotlight with that kind of pressure and to play so well i mean that's what also is crazy about it. it wasn't like he backed into this thing or you know sometimes you know whether it be the british open or not the open championship which i hate they should call it the british open but uh you no know, it's the open championship where all oh, the wins are crazy and you got to kind of just play the wins and you know, good things can happen, or even the U.S. Open, where it's like, don't make mistakes, and you may win. Like, no, the Masters, you gotta hit shots. You gotta actually win the tournament. You're not gonna back into winning that kind of tournament. And the way he played to win that, after all he'd been through, I mean, that's incredible. I gotta give it to him. That that is an incredible story. It's one of the greatest we have, I think, in recent history. If you're asking me, I know it's kind of a random one. I still think that Adrian Peterson. And what he did coming off of a knee injury, wasn't that towards the end of the season that he got hurt? In December. He got hurt. I mean, and that knee injury was gruesome. And he's a running back. Now, maybe I'm now kind of compartmentalizing, like, what it means to play running back in the NFL compared to golf. And I don't want to disc golf. But you're a running back, and, you're, you know, you have to have world-class speed and world-class strength. And your knee gets shredded the way he does, his does. And you come back next season and run for 2,000 yards. I I, th- I just didn't think I'd ever see anything like that. Ever. Like, that to and me is just is, sometimes is insane. Sometimes it's not even
1: about... I, I mean, I even look to like someone like Sean Livingston, who right yeah. was, wasn't a superstar and never became a superstar, but, I mean, given the injury he went through... Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's
0: walking is incredible.
1: The that, yeah, the fact that he's turned into a, a serviceable NBA player and he's had uh, a championship career uh, with multiple rings is, is impressive in his own right. So, I mean, there's different different ways of, of defining comebacks. If we're talking about someone at the level that Tyree Woods was at, dropping down to the level that he dropped down to and then rising back to that championship major level, I mean, I don't know if we've seen that before. I can't think of one. No. Uh, so that's where it, I think it is unprecedented. But, you know, there are other other ways of, of, of defining
0: comebacks. He, he's definitely up there, though. Um, and, and I don't want to forget about uh, Mario Mule coming back from cancer, uh, George Foreman coming back at age forty to you know winning the world heavyweight championship, and uh, Muhammad Ali coming out of you know after being you know out of the sport of boxing coming back when you know winning the heavyweight championship of the world. They're all in the mix. It's hard to me, You know, the, I, I hate... This is kind of a weird one where, like, I kind of don't like stepping on any one of these stories because they're all incredible. Like, this is one where I kind of... That's why I, when I said I said, I think it's among the greatest. If you want to tell me it's the greatest, that's fine. I, the, I, to me, it's one of those weird things where I know in sports, we always got to say what's better and what's not. This is one of the things where I'm not going to fight anybody about what's better a comeback. I mean, all these guys have done incredible, remarkable achievements. And I think thrown in there as well, Peyton Manning coming back from neck surgery and... Going to throw 50-some touchdowns and, and set the record. Like, it, 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 we, we think about it now, and we hear, we learn more about what Peyton went through the year he was gone and how his career seemed over to a lot of doctors and a lot of people he looked at. To do what he did, um, he, that's another one where I, I think that you have to put that in the conversation. So they're all unbelievable comebacks, but what Tiger did was crazy. And what was also crazy about it, Kendall, was... To see golf Twitter come back, you know, like to see the golf fans. I mean, maybe you'd argue maybe these aren't golf fans, but to see the interest in the sport again. And and, and, it felt like 2006 again. I mean, I remember when the interest was like this and to see it just disappear. And we all knew what it was, but like, it's not like we actually actively talked about, man, why aren't we, you know, talking more about these? golfers and stuff it was like well Tiger's not part of the picture and to see that come back and see all these people so invested in this weekend at the masters especially a weekend where you're talking about um uh the nba playoffs you have these these high states games nhl playoffs and all this stuff like and and tiger is a story it was it was remarkable um it was absolutely remarkable shout out tiger woods he's one of the great he's one of the greatest athletes of my generation one of the greatest athletes i've ever seen Let's see, do what he did. It was it was it was special. No question about that. All right, Kendall, we're at the point of the show where we do who is flames, who is trash. I'm gonna let you go first, Kendall. Because normally I'm the one who starts it off. So, Kendall, uh, let's just let's each do flames, then we'll do trash. So, so who was flames for you this week?
1: Flames for me this week, EJ, was the NHL lottery. Okay. Um, now it's a little story time for uh, the listeners. <laughs> Um, this was, I can't, I can't give you the year, um, I want to say this was, uh, let's say it was 2014, no, I'll say it was 2015, um, uh, a man by the name of Connor McDavid, yeah, it was 2015, a man by the name of Connor McDavid, uh, was coming into the NHL, and he was being labeled, basically, the LeBron, the LeBron James of the NHL, uh, and me, you know, as, a, as an NHL fan um, and as a New Jersey Devils fan, I was very excited because the Devils stunk that year. Uh, and so I was very excited for the lottery. Uh, the two prior years, the Edmonton Oilers had won the, the lottery. So I'm thinking, all right, he's not going to Edmonton, even though they were also bad at that time. At that time. Uh, I'm, so I watched the lottery, and Edmonton wins the lottery for the third straight year and end up drafting Conor McDavid. Uh, who goes on to be a superstar now in the NHL. Um, at that point, I was like, I'm done with hockey. I can't follow <laughs> it consistently. This thing's rigged. You know, the Devils were never going to be awarded anything because we're in New Jersey and, you know, screw Gary Bettman and whatever. Uh, fast forward to now, and I'm back because the New Jersey Devils were just awarded the number one pick in the NHL lottery Uh you know we're we're poised to, to draft you know American forward Jack Hughes. Uh, I'm excited. You know he was not excited because if you saw the look on his face, he looked like he did not want to be there. Uh, you mean he Rangers,
0: you mean he didn't want to go to Newark? I'm shocked.
1: Considering the Rangers had ended up with the number two pick, you know he was a little disappointed because that's a huge probably a huge money difference. Uh, New York oh game.
0: yeah, oh
1: yeah But um, so, so he's a little disappointed But screw it He's a devil now We will <laughs> be in a couple of months So shout out to Jack Hughes Shout out to Gary Bettman for uh, You know Coming up with the right decision And we should get the number one pick uh, I'm not implying that the NBA and NHL lottery Are rigged but yeah. You know, Shouts out to Gary Bettman Um so,
0: yeah uh that was a person that was a a purely personal uh flame segment there by kendall only caring about the fact that his new jersey devils um the only new york area team that kendall roots for and they're not a new york team but they are a new york area team (laughs) that kendall roots for despite the fact that he's a uh new york native which is fascinating um we're gonna stay with hockey um i'm gonna do my flame segment i'm gonna say it's the nhl playoffs I, i gotta give a shout out to my to my good friend uh uh, Jason Bisnoff, shout out to him. He's been on the show plenty of times. He's a huge hockey fan. He's always making the case to me that the NHL playoffs are better than the NBA playoffs. It's a fight they will have to the end of time. I'll never give in. But what I will say is that these playoffs have been lit, as they usually are. Um, but there was history made. Kendall, did you realize that the T- Tampa Bay Lightning had the most wins in all of hockey this year? And the most wins in NHL history in one season. They also never lost three games in a row all season, and yet they got swept. Kendall swept in the first round matchup against the Columbus Blue Jackets, the last team to get into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. The, I know the hockey's kind of weird, but it's the equivalent of the eighth seed if you're following uh, the NHL or and the NBA, rather. Or you know, the NHL is it's like the eighth seed in the NBA. It's 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 absolutely insane to see that this happened. Literally, no one could have seen this coming. But that's the kind of thing that happens in... Oh, well, I can't say it's the kind of thing that happened. in hockey. It's never happened. But the hockey playoffs are completely and utterly unpredictable. And this is just another sign of that. I don't know what to say. I mean, the Tampa Bay was a team that looked unbeatable and looked like a team that could... Very much be hoisting the Stanley Cup, and the first round they get swept. In Game Four, they gave up seven goals. Uh, shout out, shout out, to, shout out to Tortorello, the head coach of the uh, of the Blue Jackets. Tort's is back, baby. Um, he talks. He took some heat for the way things ended in New York. People thought he was a clown, and now he just orchestrated one of the greatest upsets. Handle. I, you know, I think this is the greatest upset in sports history. I know we just had Virginia, UMBC just last year. And I think that, I mean, I was willing to say, yeah, that was the greatest sports upset. This, this to me, has to be the greatest sports upset of all time. The team with the most wins in definitely NHL the, history.
1: Definitely, I think, the greatest one in
0: the uh, seven-game series. I mean, Kendall, uh, you got the most wins in NHL history. And you got swept in the first
1: round. I mean, I can't. I, I can't, I, can't even, I don't even know how that it's happened. professional sports and the playoff team, so I can't. I can't go that far, Kendall. Like, but college Kendall, Baptist we know, we, we know, we about UMB a sixteen seed going up get the number one seed in.
0: But Kendall, that's one in, game. In that's that's a fluke. That's one game. This is the best team with the most wins in NHL history.
1: So that's why I can't call it an upset because I'm like, maybe no, maybe that is a, an upset. Better
0: team, Columbus clearly Columbus couldn't have had the better you. team. Columbus only won what forty seven games. I mean, that's not terrible. But, like, they were one of the last teams to get into the postseason. They were the last team to get into the, the Warriors, This, into this
1: the is season. reminiscent of the Warriors beating the Mavs. The Mavs were a 67-win team. And there was no reason why the Golden State Warriors should have beat the Mavs. They didn't sweep them. But, um, so that that makes that also, you know, unique. But 67 wins is still a lot in the NBA. Uh, probably one of the, I think it's probably in the top 10 all the time. Um which made that one incredible. But, yeah, no, I mean, this is, it's, it, it, it's I don't know what happened. You know, I, I, people are already talking about, you know, they need a coaching change out there in <laughs> That's like, just crazy. How do you
0: need a coaching change when you just won 62 games?
1: Yeah, I was like, dude, you put a, a historic season together, and they're talking about you got to lose your job. So, I mean, that's. It reminds me of the when people were saying that Tony Bennett should get fired when they were losing the Gardner Webb earlier this year. I mean, it's like, are you really gonna fire him? But in, in pro sports, I'm a little less uh, sympathetic because I'm like, there I feel like they're it, the jobs are I think are easier in the sense that like I, I think anybody can kind of if you if you're a pro, if you're a prof, if you're good enough to be a professional sports coach, I think anybody can kind of do it. Um, there are very few Belichicks, very few Popoviches, but... Mm-hmm. Um, the
0: rest of you guys are interchangeable.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of them are interchangeable. Yeah. Right. You know? Whereas, like, someone like Tony Bennett, like Virginia Fires, like, good luck finding someone else they could do what he did. Uh, but, yeah, no, this is... It's certainly a, a an interesting start to the NHL playoffs. Um, I... I mean, I, I... Also, did you see... Uh, see uh the the flyers hired uh
0: Vignelle. so, and so yeah good week for former yeah. ranger ranger uh head coaches and shout out to the shout out to the new york islanders they swept uh pittsburgh in the first round uh i am a ranger fan but because i'm not the super hockey fan that most ranger fans are i don't really hate the islanders i've never seen them play in the playoffs so there's I mean, I like to beat them when we play against them, but otherwise, I, I you know, they're playing well. I, I have nothing against them. I've been, to, I've actually only been the Islander games. I've actually never been to a Ranger game. So, uh, and shout out to Elise Wick. She's the, uh, the 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 stadium or the arena host for the New York Islanders. I work with her in New York one. She's cool people's. So uh, shout out to them. They got they swept uh, Pittsburgh and now now that, ta- that Tampa Bay's out of it, anyone can win these. You know, I mean, obviously Columbus could feel like, well, we could be anybody. But now I know New York has got to be excited. Uh, Boston and Toronto are locked in a really tight series. Either one of those teams could see themselves now uh, uh, in the Stanley Cup final. So the playoffs, as usual in the NHL, creating a lot of drama and a lot of excitement. Uh, Kendall, I'll toss it back to you now for Trash. So who was Trash this week?
1: Trash this week, EJ. I'm going with LSU basketball, the LSU basketball program. Um, pretty simple. You know, we've talked a lot about LG basketball because of the whole Will Wade scandal and, you know, him being caught on a wiretap, offering a, uh, a a bleeping strong offer <laughs> to a recruit, <laughs> in quotations, uh, according to the FBI, according to the sources, uh, close to the FBI, who saw this transcript. Um, so, you know, Will Wade was put on leave, you know, uh, but that leave is now over. He didn't coach the NCAA tournament, but he's back. He's been reinstated, uh, and he's hitting the recruiting trail. You know, and for me, it's it's uh, it, it makes no sense. You know, he they've already talked. You know, yeah, you know, he's going to meet with you know, a couple of five star recruits. I'm just like, this is this is madness. That <laughs> this guy was literally caught. There, there, there a take out there are transcripts out there this guy often put money to to a player's uh inner circle and he's still coaching and look, look there are legalities to this you know apparently seems as if lsu kind of was put in a caught between a rock and a hard place where it was like look we can uh we can fire him without cause and have to pay him a lot of money you can't really fire him with cause because there's no real evidence. It's just hearsay at this point, point and will Wade says he didn't do it. So I mean, you know, it, it that that kind of situation they're at right now is until their uh, real evidence comes up, they can't really do much with it. Um, I mean, my thing is, look, if you're if you're a program that had any guts, then I mean, one either you pay the dude. Or you or or you leave him suspended, and they didn't want to do it, and I understand it. Um, but you just have to understand the the AD Joe Aliva uh, uh, resigned. Yeah, today as well.
0: Yeah, he's so, like I'm getting the hell out of here. He's, now he's like, yeah, an, assi- he's like now he's, now he's an assistant to the president for donor relations. <laughs> Some like yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: he's, like, he's like get my name off. This- <laughs> I mean, it's an embarrassment to, to think that Will Wade could still be coaching college basketball. And, I mean, it's not surprising because Sean Miller is still coaching in Arizona, Bill Self still coaching in Kansas, um, you know, Bruce Pearl was just coaching in the Final Four a couple of weeks ago. It's not like it's, not, it's impossible to fathom, but um, it still just shows you where we're at in college basketball. I mean, Sean Miller and Will Wade are literally uh, going to be testifying front of a jury like in a couple weeks and they're (laughs) they're being reinstated, but they're also going to be oh they're also going uh on the recruiting trail it's it's an embarrassment but i mean that's where we're at in college basketball
0: yeah college basketball is i mean when it comes to this like cheating situation i think it's at i think it's at a point where i just don't I, i think it may be at its lowest point because
1: it's for me, it's the toothpaste uh, analogy where you know the toothpaste has come out and you can't get, it, you can't put it back in.
0: Yeah, I mean it's just like I, I don't know how this ever goes back really to being normal to me because I mean, guy will wait. Just I mean, he he's done, you know, and because of various things in his contract, he had to be fired with cause and fact that, you know, he hasn't technically been fired, you know, hasn't technically been any evidence against him that's been presented officially yet. Uh, And now he's the head coach. But how long is that going to be? You know, I don't know. This is just like, to me, I I don't think he's going to be their coach this season. I still think they'll end up having to let him go. Because like you said, at the end of the day, this information is going to get out one way or another. We're going to find out one way or another if Bill Wade's on wiretap talking about paying players. And if he is, he can't keep the job. But the fact that he even still has a job at this point is crazy. But it's also crazy that players aren't getting paid. So really, what he's doing, like, as bad as it is, like how bad is it? I don't know. <laughs> right. It's a complete right. mess. It's a complete mess. Hey, you can't, even, a, can't even keep up. I can't even keep up with how I feel about this job. stuff.
1: Will we keep the job? But Javante Smart, who has no business entering the NBA draft, feels probably feels the need. I got in the draft. Yeah, he said I
0: got out of here
1: because I'm. Ne- they're never going to play me again. And that that's a shame, because look at Sylvia DeSouza. He doesn't end up like him, at Kansas, who was suspended two years, Mm. and Bill Self could do whatever whatever he wants, and it's like, well, well, talk to my lawyer. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: it's
1: ridiculous. But you know what? The difference is Kansas is paying Bill Self a lot of money. You know LSU is paying will wait a lot of money to coach their team, and they're not gonna. They can't fire him without clear evidence, and they don't want to fire, or at least without having to pay him. And they don't want to pay him to do nothing. So they're like, "All right, we'll pay you to we'll pay you to coach basketball until we're told we can't."
0: But say, Kendall, we're also kind of but missing. They the can't
1: whole- do that with Sylvia D'Souza. They could. They can't. D'Souza can't say, "Look, you're paying me," because you're not.
0: But also, that's the thing, though, Kendall. That we're also missing is that the, the schools are in on it. Like it's all rigged. Like, the school is going to discipline their own guy for taking part in something that they know he's taking part in, that they want him to take part in so he can get good players? Like, the whole thing is a complete sham. I mean, it is a complete sham. And like you said, the coaches have all the protection in the world behind million-dollar contracts. And the players are the ones who are, uh, surprise, surprise, being exploited. And they're the ones who have the most exposure if things go south. And we've seen that time and time again. Even the coaches that do get in trouble, they find themselves somewhere else. Frank Haith, just as soon as as soon as anything looks like it might be hairy, he just gets makes millions of dollars at another school. Who wants Frank Haith because they know he can coach and they know he can get good players. Uh, but that kid who was at that school who may take that money, who may have had that situation, he meant his eligibility might be in jeopardy. He may not be able to play college basketball again. It's uh, it, it's messed up, man. It's it's really messed up. What's happening at LSU is messed up. And like you said, I don't know. Like I said, rather, I don't know how it gets fixed. I don't know if it does. Spaying on college basketball, my flames is St. John's. St. John's Mm -hmm. basketball, to be particular. Because, Kendall, it's been a really, really rough week for my Johnnies. Chris Mullen and the school parted ways in what was described as a, a, a resignation from Chris Mullen. Who has been going through a really rough time. His brother just passed away. Um, so shout out to Chris Mullen, but he was at odds with the AD by most reports. The AD apparently wanted to fire him initially that ended up not happening. He ended up making a statement saying that Chris Mullen was a head coach and Mullen days later said, nope, I'm gone. And in their coaching search, they've had zero success, Kendall, nada, zero, zilch, nothing. They've come up completely and utterly empty handed at a school that is a supposed to be a rich basket helps to have a rich basketball tradition. No one wants to coach this team. Their whole roster pretty much decided I'd rather go to the NBA or go to another school and then try to come back to this dumpster fire. Um so the whole team pretty much gutted, no head coach, and they can't seem to get someone to get take the job. Bobby Hurley was very much connected to this job. It seemed like a foregone conclusion that he'd be the head coach of St. John's. All of a sudden he says Nope, I'm staying at Arizona State. we were like, okay, that's weird. So they're like, all right, well, now who's the next guy? Apparently, they were very close to getting Porter Moses, Mo, Porter Moser. I'm sorry, head coach at Loyola Chicago, took them to the Final Four last year. He decided he'd rather coach at. I'm gonna repeat this again: Loyola Chicago over Saint <laughs> John's University. And this has been uh, a really bizarre situation, and it led. St. John's Booster, Mike Rapole, I think his name's Rapole. it could be Rapoli, I'm not sure, because it could be Italian, he's a New Yorker, so that's my assumption there. Uh, To go on to Mike Francesa, WFAN, shout out to Francesa, the New York sports pope, as we call him in in the city, to give what many are describing as a uh, legendary interview. Uh, He's, uh, obviously, like I said before, St. John's alum, a billionaire, he owns a body armor sports drink. He is uh, the school's biggest booster, and he is outraged at the school. He says that the current environment at St. John's is, quote, toxic. He is calling for the president, Bobby Jempisaw and vice president Joe Oliva to step down. He called the uh, uh, current—he said that this is no longer a New York laughingstock. We are now a national embarrassment. He said that Bobby Hurley wanted to come to St. John's, but that the university— Lowballed him, and that it needs to pay the three to four million dollars it takes to get a respectable coach, which is fascinating. Because Porter Moses was say Porter Moser. I don't know why I keep saying that. Um, he was making comments about, oh, you can be rich but stay at home. It's very interesting considering everyone saying Saint John's is lowballing coaches. So, was he actually low-balled or he's just running that line to his people back in Chicago so they can feel good about him coming back? But um. I mean, some of these quotes. Shout out to Adam Zagoria who had a really good write up on this. Some of these quotes from, uh, from the booster are pretty incredible. He said that uh, this is negligence. Ninety nine percent of the people, if they make one of these mistakes, uh, they get fired. He said that if you thought that uh, Chris Mullen one in fifteen year was was bad, which was Mullin's first season, next year could be 0 in sixteen. Um. He said, "You don't think that Bobby Hurley wanted to coach at the Garden? You don't think he wanted to have a game versus Danny Hurley every year at Madison Square Garden? Uh, you know, he was he just he just lit into the school. Uh, he said that it was a twenty million dollar twenty million dollar mistake between the slice debacle and the and the and the Chris Mullen salary. It's hard to disagree with anything he's saying. He said they should have hired Danny Hurley in the first place, and that uh, he knew Mullen was going to be a disaster. That." Probably more crystal ball there, but now he definitely looks right in that standpoint. But Kendall, I just had to make my, I had to make St. John's trash. It makes me sad. I, I grew up right, right around St. John's. I, my dream was to play basketball for St. John's. I think a lot of kids if you grow up in Queens, that's your dream to play basketball at St. John's. And to see the program after coming off an NCAA tournament appearance somehow be at rock bottom. I don't know how that happens, and it seems to happen every time. Every single time this team, I mean, we haven't gotten tournament that often. The last two times they made the NCAA tournament, immediately following that was rock bottom. So the fact that they're in the exact same position they was after they fired Steve Lavin, and now they can't even find a, a, a respectable replacement for him, it's just a mess.
1: Yeah, I mean, the name I brought to you beforehand, uh, I mean, you have to look at you have to look at Rick Pitino. I mean, said he'd be interested in the job uh, if the Southern District of New York gave him an apology for ruining an a innocent man's name. That's
0: what he said. See, so. Rick Pitino. See, he he's bluffing. He's never going to come here because one, he's he's he ain't coming back to the states. He's overseas. He did that on purpose. And <laughs> when you're saying crazy statements like that that you know aren't going to happen, that means you know you ain't coming here because he knows yeah, he's in like, serious like trouble.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's like somebody saying, like uh yeah, you know, like you know, yeah, I, I I'd uh I'd run for president but only if, you know, they also only if they offer me a million dollar salary to do it. It's like, well, it's not gonna happen, so we <laughs> like he also went on Twitter to adv- adv- he uh to advocate for uh, Mark Jackson to get the job. So I don't know. Putino's Twitter is actually very interesting uh Oh it is, that.
0: yeah, it is. Shout out to Rick Pitino. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um If we can't get Moser,
1: the name Bobby right Bobby Hurley, we ain't
0: getting Mark Jackson.
1: It, yeah, exactly. There's no money. Stop. The the name right now seems to be Tim clues at Iona. At like the But my thing is if he hasn't been hired yet, I don't think they wanna hire him.
0: They clearly don't want to hire him.
1: It would be like a man, that's a plan D, plan E, plan F type of hire. Cause every there were a lot of people in basketball circles that want him. I mean Francesca's gone out there campaign horribly like the people that want him to get the job in the in the area, I don't think it would be a good hire. But
0: I mean I I'm not mean I'm it. not crazy about the hire, but he does play an exciting brand of basketball. He knows New York like the back of his hand. But I don't know. I he, you know, it's not like he's ever recruited, you know, top-notch New York players. He coached at Iona, so he wasn't getting those guys. Though so he did get some guys that did like to hoop and were successful. He's had a remarkable run at Iona in terms of making the tournament a good every year.
1: For, like local, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, he's gotten transfer players that uh, were bigger name guys in New York that ended up at Iona. Um, but it's i think he i think he'll he'll know where the bodies are buried in new york basketball probably more than chris mullen did but it's just it's i mean the East right now has a lot of star power in his coaching uh with, you know patrick ewing and uh jay wright you know and uh i don't know i just feel like they're if you're St. john's you wanna bobby hurley would have been perfect um I even would look at John Shire at Duke. You know, you can't get like the big name guys, I mean, that would be somebody that like I would look at. Maybe he's not going to take it. I, I mean, I I would I would take it if I were him. But this is just a it's, it's a bad situation.
0: And what's unfortunate is that they got Mike Craig from Duke, um, and the fact that you know he's this this one guy saying that Craig is not. The guy who is going to be to blame for this, because it's interesting, because obviously he's a booster, so so I'm taking him I'm taking him very seriously, because the people with the money always need to know what's going on, and the way he's kind of describing this, the way I see it is that Craig didn't want Mullen, he wanted to fire him, perhaps the school because they knew it would be costly, and. We're not going to be in the business of wanting to hire another big name coach. Didn't want him to do that. So he maybe he backed off. Mullen got word that he didn't want him. So therefore, he backed away and said, I'll just quit. And then when Craig went after the guy that he had planned to go after initially, Bobby Hurley, and was reneged, then all hell broke loose in this coaching search. And that's kind of it seems to be how this has gone down. Um
1: another guy that's trying to put his name in but the it's ring. really
0: really really terrible
1: another guy trying to put his name in the ring for uh for St. John's is, uh, Metal World Peace
0: so um look if they can get if they could get anybody the coach at this point I, I think I would be surprised look,
1: I mean, guys, would, guys would play for Metal World Peace
0: I, I I don't I don't know I'm Look, shout-out to Meta World Peace. I'm not going to be the parent who's letting my 18-year-old, 17-year-old kid play for Meta World Peace. I'm not doing it. Because Meta World Peace is not just your head coach. I mean, he, you got to be a leader of young men. And I'm just saying. <laughs> I love Meta, but and I think he's gotten... He's grown a lot in his time, but I'm not putting him in that position to lead my 17 year 18-year-old kid. That's not happening. Like... It's, uh, I don't know, it, it, this whole thing is just a debacle because, first of all, I, first of all, it's a debacle that you have this booster going on Mike Francesa, like, airing out this crazy, dirty launcher. Like, even that shows that, even if it's not as bad as he's saying it is, it's still really bad because the fact that they can't even keep their own, own house in order, because at the end of the day, the boosters are part of the house, and they can't keep their own house in order, that this guy has, feels the need to go on Mike Francesa and just blast the entire school it shows that there's a lot wrong going go, a lot wrong going on there and it's uh it's a problem i i hope that they can figure it out but it looks like st john's could be in for another long season and that's a shame because new york city is uh is in a better place with st john's basketball is uh is, is hot anyway kendall let's get to the end of the show we're at the kendall's court portion of the show so what do you got for us
1: yeah, so uh, while we were doing this show or right before we went on, uh, the NFL schedule was released. Um, uh, the, the season will start uh, not with the Patriots, but we will be starting right. uh, Thursday, uh, September 5th in Soldier Field for what I believe is, I want to say it's like the 100th meeting maybe between the Bears and Packers on it. I think they're looking at the number. But um, uh, we will be seeing the Chicago Bears uh, versus the Green Bay Packers in Chicago. Um, I, I mean, I think that's an interesting game personally. I mean, I'm a Vikings fan, so I don't really care who wins. But I, I think the Packers are going to be an interesting team to follow this year. New uh, you, uh, you want to see how the look and we see if Chicago with a one year you
0: hey, just broke up a little bit there. Can you just go back uh, a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're, we'll see that. We have that week one matchup between Green Bay and Chicago. First game of the season in Soldier Field. And it's going to be interesting because you have a new coach in Green Bay, uh, Matt LaFleur. Uh, you want to see how, they, how he messes with Aaron Rodgers. And with Chicago, um, it's going to be interesting to see if they are a one year wonder or if this is a sustainable if they have if they can have a sustained level of success because we've seen other teams with a similar profile to this Bears team, i.e. the Oakland Raiders and Jacksonville Jaguars have, you know, a year where they're really good and then they fall apart. So you hope that's not the case with this Bears team, but um also we have the Patriots playing the Steelers week one. Sunday night football should also be interesting, and then Monday night uh, uh, the uh, Saints hosting the Houston Texans, and the Oakland Raiders, led by Antonio Brown and John Gruden, will be playing, will be playing the Denver Broncos. EJ, I'm sure you've had a chance to look over some of the schedules. or there anything that uh, stuck out to you?
0: Well, look, I'm excited about uh, the Jets. Obviously, I'm a Jets fan. Uh, I'm excited about the Jets schedule. A lot of uh a lot of games to kind of uh circle on the calendar. Obviously the, the week two Monday night football matchup between the the front and the Browns is gonna be really exciting. You got what was one of the better Thursday night games last year between the Jets and Browns, uh, where, you know, you had the you had, you know, Baker Mayfield come off the bench and, and spark that comeback. These are two of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL in Darnold and uh and um and, uh, and, and Mayfield, obviously. And, of course, it's the return of Odell Beckham to MetLife Stadium. Obviously, he's not against the Giants, but it is a a, a big game nonetheless. So, I'm excited for that one. Uh, let's see. Um, and I'll tell you what you're talking about also. I think Week 16, the the Jets play against the Steelers as well. So, that's a, a matchup between uh, Le'Veon Bell going against a team that he refused to play for in the— uh, in uh in pittsburgh so it should be a good game as well this is gonna be a a fun season you know I, i think that last season the patriots win the super bowl but now you're having all this turmoil with whether or not uh the patriots can repeat without gronk they did sign uh Maris Thomas, I don't really know what he is at this point with all the injuries and stuff he's been through, but, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but it seems like if he goes to Patriots, he's going to find a way to produce somehow, so I wouldn't necessarily put it past him, but NFL schedule release is always fun, because you're always uh, looking to see what games you're looking at the schedule, and it kind of gets you set up for the new year.
1: And, you know, you also may have to be circling uh, that week one matchup between Arizona and Detroit, because that very well could be uh, Kyler Murray's debut. Mm. So, yeah, that should be interesting as well.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to peer through the schedule uh, as well. Um, they got that New Orleans plays, uh, goes to Los Angeles in week two. Rematch of the pass interference debacle we got in the conference championship game. Uh, Indy goes to KC in week five. KC plays New England on the road in week 14. There's a lot of good games, man. This is... Obviously, it's NFL, but it should be should be a good season. Um,
1: Remember how they and I? I can't tell. Let me look at uh, let me look at the Monday night schedule real quick. But we've talked a lot about the NFL seems to be changing their philosophy of like they they put like
0: their best games the on Sunday best night
1: games, yeah, or Sunday night and just during the day, you know, yeah. just during the regular package. Yeah. Before you get on Sunday ticket, um, they put the worst games on national TV. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm looking at the Monday schedule now. Uh, it's so, all right. yeah, I mean, I'm trying to circle them. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there. I, I don't. I don't. See, I don't week see two, like all these like incredible matchups. These yeah, Titans, Week
1: Two Browns Jets, not not good. Bears Redskins not good. Bengals Steelers all right. Browns, Niners, could be good, but not guaranteed. Lions, Packers, eh. Patriots, Jets, eh. Dolphins, Steelers, eh. Cowboy Giants, I mean, at that point of the season, could be bad, but it's marquee names. Seahawks, Niners, could be good, could be eh. Chiefs, Chargers, I would say that that's
0: a good game. a good game.
1: Uh, Ravens, Rams, should be a good game. Vikings, Seahawks, N Seattle should be good. Eagles, Giants, should be interesting. I mean, it is decent. I don't think they're blatantly, they're not blatantly putting bad games. I mean, the one they're thing I probably. noticed,
0: Kendall, is it seems like the first half of the season, they're stacking you with teams that maybe you want to see on national TV, but, like, you don't expect them to win anything.
1: Right.
0: And in yeah. the second half of the season, you definitely start to see playoff teams, you know. Yeah. With the excesses of the Giants, all those other teams could very well make the playoffs, starting from the Cowboys-Giants in November 4th. Then you got Seahawks, Niners, basically. Chiefs, Chargers, Rams, Ravens, Vikings, Steelers, Seahawks. Then Giants again. Giants, Eagles. I don't know why Giants on national TV all these games. I don't. I don't know what that's about. Are uh, they trying to torture us? I guess they they, made they, made do they know draft something draft that we don't know? Do they know something we don't know? The Giants to me look like one of the worst teams in the NFL. So what?
1: Dwayne Haskins could be the quarterback at that point.
0: I guess. Yeah. If, if I they guess.
1: don't draft the and then that's
0: then. I do the, we trust Gettleman to give us what we want? The NFL would be foolish to, to think that Gelman is going to give them what they want. If they've known anything about this guy, is that he's going to do whatever the hell he wants. So predicting that he's going to do the right thing and get a quarterback, I think would be insane. But that's why they're putting the Giants on this many national TV games. And I feel like by the time we get to the season, I think there's going to be a future trash segment where I'm doing my segment talking about how I don't understand say why the Giants keep being put on Monday Night Football. This is another night where I'm going to be watching Raw. Or NBA action because I ain't watching the Giants late in the season when they're three and ten going into Philly. That's not going to be a game that I'm looking forward to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only way to salvage is to salvage is if we see Kyler Murray or, or Drew Lock or Dwayne Haskins playing uh, quarterback. Which also is a good se- a good uh, segue to uh, you know plug our new YouTube video.
0: It is. Shout out to our new YouTube video. Shout out to us. Um, Go check out our YouTube video. video. Uh, We're talking about the NFL top quarterback prospects, who we think should be the first quarterback selected. It's a really cool video we did. It's on our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Make sure you subscribe to our channel, like our video, give a comment who you think uh, should be the the first quarterback selected. But, yeah, I think it's a really dope video. I'm really excited for it. Uh, I'm just peering Kendall quickly through the – Sunday night schedule, and it's the same thing I said before. Sunday night games, are they're all monsters. I mean, you know, Steelers, Patriots, Falcons, Eagles, Rams, Browns, Saints, Cowboys, Chiefs, Colts, Chargers, Steelers. Every game I've seen so far has a team that's probably going to make the playoffs. Eagles, Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, (laughs) Patriots, Ravens, Vikings, Cowboys, Rams, Bears, Seahawks, Eagles, Saints, Falcons. Patriots, Texans, Seahawks, Rams, Vikings, Chargers, Chiefs, Bears. I mean, that's night and day between what we're seeing on Monday Night Football and what they're putting on Sunday night.
1: Do you, do you want the Thursday night schedule?
0: Sure. Might as well do it in this review and all the national TV games.
1: Um, so the, the Thursday night schedule, uh, according to uh, this is uh, sporting news, uh, I guess it's starting from week four. Um Eagles at Packers. Uh good game. Rams at Seahawks, good game. Giants at Patriots. Yeah. Eh. I mean, decent matchup. Uh Chiefs, Broncos. Okay, I'm fine with that. Chiefs at Broncos. Uh, Redskins at Vikings. Eh. Niners at Cardinals. Uh I mean Cardinals are the number one pick, so I'm fine with that. Chargers at Raiders, I'm fine with that. Steelers at Browns, yes. Colts at Texans, and
0: that is a good game. No, it's
1: could be it was a playoff matchup. Yeah. Playoff. Uh, Cowboys Bears, good game. Jets Ravens. Yeah. I mean, not not bad. I, again, I don't think they're blatantly putting terrible games on national.
0: No, I mean they got they killed. Were, I feel
1: like they were in the last couple of years. Yeah,
0: because they're trying to get everybody on national TV. So you were getting your your yearly Jacksonville Jaguars national TV game, you know. And uh, and, you know. I, tell you,
1: man, I think they did, I have that theory that they were they're pushing uh, what call it? <laughs> pushing Sunday ticket.
0: <laughs> How do you think they're pushing Sunday ticket like that? They want oh you want they think people like uh, they
1: put the good games on right. Uh, yeah, it's regular, like
0: regular television. Yeah, like yeah, I guarantee you they get the best game of the week.
1: <laughs> if you want to watch, I mean, they do it this year, week two. You want to watch Rams Saints? Like
0: you you, know, you, you don't, you don't live in the West Coast. Or you yeah, don't live you in out the market. You don't live in the Bayou. You might want to pick up that Sunday ticket, fam. It makes sense. It w- it wouldn't be a terrible business model because I guess they feel like Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football and Thursday Night are going to get numbers regardless. Yeah, like people going to watch them. Like, like they, they know they're they sadly mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> I think they feel like they have a baseline for those for those ratings for those nights. So they're like, well, just give them whatever, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm glad to have you back. Kendall. It was a fun show this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, like Kendall said, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, where we have that new video up on the top NFL draft quarterback prospects next week's the NFL draft. So um, hopefully we'll have a show before to talk about it. Maybe we'll get Rob DeRay in here to help us out. Uh, make sure you catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Make sure you catch our, um, I already said our YouTube channel. Make sure you uh, follow us on social media, New Generation Media on Facebook, New Generation at, at New Generation Podcast on Instagram, and at New Generation Pod on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram at Action EJ. We'll be back next week with more Sports Talk. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.